of Lewis has eight <laughs> touchdowns. I want them all to be against Tennessee, and then we all can enjoy. Yeah, you you guys haven't heard anything about like Mercedes Lewis, uh, Antonio Gates. There's a couple of you know decent veteran tight ends that are out there, and you just don't see a lot about them right now. It's kind of weird. Uh, there's another guy out there. I was going to ask you about it, and we talked a little bit about this guy. I'm wondering because we're still looking. Uh, tight end is should be number one. Uh, as, along with backup quarterback that's left on the Texans free agent list. And uh, another guy that I mentioned, and I don't know what you guys think, just because he's in the state of Florida, I'll ask you about him, uh, Julius Thomas. Uh, what, what, what is your thought on, on Julius Thomas and if he's got anything? Because, uh, you know, he's had all, all the injuries the last three years, and, and you guys saw him up close for a couple of years. I, um, I held out hope for... I held out hope for Thomas when he went to Miami, and um, if this whole culture change thing is legit in Miami, which it seems to be, and Thomas was one of the first people out the door, I think that's pretty telling that he's still just like what he was in Jacksonville, and that he came off as very lazy here. So if you guys are trying to build, you know, um, well, you've already got the culture with Bill O'Brien. You know, he's not a BSer. He's not going to take any BS from anyone. He, you've got a young, growing offense, and I don't think if a guy's gone from not only Jacksonville who tried to change their culture, but now Miami who tried to change their culture. And the guy's known as being kind of lazy despite having some natural talent. I don't know if I'd want to fly on that as much as I would a solid veteran like Lewis and then drafting a guy where you can, because like interior offensive line, I think the tight end class is also relatively deep. There's some talent throughout that you can find some solid blockers, some solid receivers, I don't think there's really a true jack-of-all-trades tight end out there other than maybe Godert, but um, you could still find a value guy to where you sign someone like a Mercedes Lewis to a cheap deal and draft a young guy and build a really solid like two tight end punch right there. They need two because they, mm-hmm. they've, they've, got two, they've got two guys, one of them an undrafted free agent in Steven Anderson, and, and he's been very – inconsistent uh the last couple of years he he had a, a good game but a lot of his games uh, just weren't anything to speak of and then ryan griffin who's got the same concussion issues nearly as cj fedora what's not quite as bad uh didn't have to retire but uh you never know where he's at right now he's had a he had a couple of concussions this past year so they they're gonna have to get a couple of guys mm-hmm. i mean it's a it's like zach said it's a really good draft if you want to find a tight end which i think hurts these guys like mercedes lewis to where in years past where tight ends aren't nearly as uh you know bountiful uh lewis kind of they a bad year for him to hit the market with all these tight ends coming out of the draft i'll give you a a, a sneaky thing that the texans did and I, I don't know how much you guys paid paid attention to this uh but it, it's a big deal here you know we've been a terrible special teams unit for I don't know. It's, it seems like it's been a decade, but it hasn't been that long. But the, the special teams with the Texans, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, Texans fans certainly have that they're they're awful. They they pick up uh, one of the best special teams coaches. He he coached uh, on Bill Belichick's staff for three of his early Super Bowls, and then you know he's had a great career in special teams. They pick up him, and then they pick up uh, one of the best special team tacklers, maybe the best in the NFL, and Batamusi. So. You know, that's something that I think I don't know how much the rest of the NFL has noticed would notice something like that. But uh, it, it makes a big difference when one of your three units all of a sudden is goes from maybe being awful to being 
pretty good. I mean, I can I can relate to that because I can say probably most of the Jaguars signings this free agency was for special teams as well. I tweeted out, I was like, I've never been more excited to see a special teams unit play because, I mean, they lost this past season against the Rams. They lost that game out of special teams, letting up two touchdowns. So they kind of just brought in a guy who Caldwell deemed the best special teamer in the NFL. Uh, I would have to watch the film to kind of justify that. But, yeah, special teams, I guess, is uh, the hot topic for this offseason for several NFL teams. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think when you look at Jacksonville, the Niles Paul and the Cody Davis signings are huge for that special teams unit because I do think that that was kind of a weak link at points this past off season, this past season, like Chris said, against the um, the Rams game. So, and maybe this is just a movement in general, and I'm not saying that this is going to drastically affect the market, but I, I don't know what kind of figures the Texans gave that guy, and I couldn't repeat his name uh, to save my life. Um, I'm pretty sure the Niles Paul contract, what was it at, Chris? Uh, he and Davis signed for not – like big time money, but I mean, it was, it was solid money for guys that are obviously going to come in and have that special teams, like specialist kind of role, in which case maybe that's going to be a move in the future is that teams are going to start to covet all like really valuable special teamers, well, if the NFL which has their um, you way, need it. If the NFL has their way and gets rid of kickoffs, then all these guys are about to be out of a job. But I mean, now Paul, <laughs> Paul and Don Carey and Cody Davis, they all got, I mean, not huge contracts, but I guess for their position, they got like two years, like five to six mil. Yeah, because uh, you look at these, you look at special teamers for other teams, and people are and teams are just drafting rookies or paying league minimums to these guys. When really, it's it seems to be a lot more important, and it's losing teams games if they don't have a solid special teams unit. So maybe this could be kind of a domino effect where teams will start to go after these coveted special teamers. And Houston has obviously gone out and gotten someone that they feel they can, you know, rely on on the special teams, and maybe they can continue to build on that. I'm wondering now is is the AFC South the best division in this part of the conference? I mean, in the AFC because it. Uh, you look at the other divisions right now, and I, I'm not, I'm not real big on any of the other divisions being quite as good and as deep with the Titans, the Jags, and potentially the. I mean, if the Texans, I mean, you 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 give Deshaun Watson back, JJ Watt back, Whitney Merciless back, you add Aaron Colvin, uh, the Honey Badger, and, and and hopefully they can have they can't have a worse offensive line. We know that's possible in Houston. It's, it's uh, so it, <laughs> Murphy's it's, Law. It's got to be better. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to agree with you, but the Colts are still in the division. So, so, but, um, I would, um, I would say they, I mean, I remember the joke was just maybe even two seasons ago that the AFC South was the trash heap of the NFL and just a seller of talent, you know, nothing's good. And the next thing you know, bam, this year you had, until Watson got hurt, you had a three-horse race going into who's going to be mm-hmm. the division champion. Uh, but I, but I would say like they're probably not. It wasn't a seven and nine division champion like a couple years back either. It yeah. was a truly fun division to yeah, be a part was, of. And it was. Uh, I would say probably the AFC South right now, competition-wise, is probably at least top half in the league. Out of the eight, they're probably top four. Uh, another division I think really improved is. Uh, the NFC West, you know, the Rams kind of emerged last year with Goff finally playing well. The 49ers getting 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're going to be the real deal this year. They did some moves that I really liked. Uh, Seahawks kind of crumbled, and then the Cardinals are kind of like there. Are they? Will they? You know, they're they can kind of do whatever it feels like. But no, I, I think the AFC South is definitely top half in terms of divisions. Well, they're better than the AFC East for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I would, I would, I would think yes. they would be better than the AFC North. I mean, you, you do have, you've got the Browns there. The Ravens are not that good. I mean, we have three. There's three good teams in this division, where that division's got maybe two. Uh, the the only real question mark is, do you think they're better than the AFC West? And uh, you know, it's hard to say with Patrick Mahomes now playing his first game as a starting quarterback, basically. Uh, this year, you know, second year player that didn't play last year, that that's who's leading the Chiefs. So we don't have we have no idea what to expect from them. You know, Case Keenum, Keenum coming in with the Broncos, a new coach with the Raiders. There's a ton of more question marks, I think, in the AFC West than there is in the AFC South, honestly. I'm really curious, and I know it has nothing to do with the Jags or the Texans, but I want your guys' opinion on John Gruden and the way he's handled this offseason so far. I just want to hear this from like literally anyone that I can hear it from because I think it's hysterical. <laughs> he is very overrated to begin with, Brian. I thought just the John Gruden. I wasn't a big fan of uh, that as a you know giving ten million dollars to that guy after you know he hadn't coached in forever and and I, I you know I I didn't think he was Vince Lombardi as a coach. I mean he he was given a lot of talent both with the Raiders and and Tampa. You know, I'll give him credit. You you win a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. You got to get some respect. But you know, I, I don't know about you know him being the greatest coach in the world either. A heavily sought after name for a long time, and then you know the Oakland Raiders finally get their man. Uh, but what's up with them getting our our free agents, uh, guys that we don't want? You know, they go and sign Giacomini, and then they signed uh, they signed. Um, um, our, our the 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 safety, uh, which was from uh, the, what what we had. Um, oh, Gilchrist, you're talking about Gilchrist. Gilchrist. Marcus Gilchrist. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I just blanked there for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Marcus Gilchrist uh, as well. So I'm wondering, you know, what what's the deal with those guys? I mean, if they didn't work in our system, what makes you think that that they're going to work there? But you know, um, kudos to to John Gruden. You know, he's trying to put together a winner. Um, I just don't think that that's going to happen this year. But, you know, give or take maybe another season or two, um, it's just it's just going to take some time to mold it into his image. And, speak, mm-hmm. and speaking of Gruden, that just kind of brought up a funny question. Uh, NFL uh, posted an article on their app today, and it was like five biggest offseason questions that we have. And one of yeah. them was, who's going to – how are they going to split the carries between Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch? And I was thinking to myself, I was like, that is a question I don't think I would have ever asked myself because I could literally care less. That's and, a question I wouldn't want to ask myself. Yeah, it's like that's probably coach. maybe bottom five like <laughs> questions that I would yeah. want to ask. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the Raiders, you know, they've got a couple of high end talents. You well, I the, the I guess Derek Carr's now a question mark. He looked high end a couple of years ago, but you know you you got uh, a couple of guys there that are incredibly talented on offense and defense. But other than that, I, I just I, I'm trying to figure out. If he's got enough to work with to to be competitive in that division, and 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 can Derek Carr get going again? Like like somebody said, they said that this Raiders team would have been great in 2013 Madden. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky John Gruden, he's been given like a 25 lifetime year deal to put this all together. <laughs> so 
Godspeed to him. Maybe he'll have it done by the time that I have kids. <laughs> yeah, 2013, yeah. man. I don't want the Texas team from that year. My goodness, we were I terrible. I don't want, two, I don't want that was a 2-14 and 14 season. <laughs> I've wiped my football memory from the 20, 2009 to 2016. Just it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> just that whole period is just a race of memory. Exactly. <laughs> like that was when like Blaine yeah. Gabbert, Justin Blackman, and or Chad Henney against the Texans. That's when like right. that was a highlight of that. Blaine Gabbert still lost. Matt Schaub or something like that. <laughs> we the still. Glory, I think we lost. Days. We had Case Keenum at one year. What was it? Twenty thirteen, and Chad Henney was quarterback, and then we still lost. And. Yeah, it's crazy. Those, those were bad years. We 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 won't talk about them if you won't talk about them. Type. You know. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Eight dollar seats at Ever Bank. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys got anything else for us, Chris? You got anything? I I mean, I just I just want to hear you guys take. I mean, how do you guys feel about getting Honey Badger? Oh, it was yeah. That was you talked about Norwell. It was a little Christmas morningy over here too. I mean, it, 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 just having a safety for the first time in Texans history that's legitimate, or at least, well, Daniel Manning was good for about a year, and Marcus Coleman was good for a year or two early in the organization. But outside of that, it's been piecemeal, tons of junk at, at safety over the years for the Texans. So that the fact that they actually picked somebody up that's not only good but you know could be great with with the capability that uh, he has and then you know you throw that in with Colvin and it's just the secondary is such an upgrade now I mean that was a big deal and you know me and Brian have been talking about the offensive line and I think for the fans out there the the kind of sort of fans that just pay attention if it's a big name or whatever that the moves that they made on the offensive line might not seem like a lot but a lot of them we felt were were sneaky good values, and yeah. what they did was they 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 couldn't go out, and and Brian can speak to this too. They couldn't go out and do everything for the offensive line that you really needed them to do. Mm-hmm. So what they did is try to get a a bunch of small pieces and hope that you know gamble and maybe uh, two of the three work out and and mm-hmm. give you something, and then uh, you can do something in the draft too because it's you know the offseason isn't over until the draft. They have three third round picks, and uh, you can pick up tackles in the in the third round i mean you there's guys that you can get every year i mean uh, we mentioned it on our show there there were two of the top three on pro football focus uh the two two of the top three tackles were fourth round picks it definitely yeah there's the talent's definitely there um in this draft specifically i believe in on the interior but i mean if if we're looking anywhere on the offensive line i think you just kind of shoot your shot at the best available offensive lineman with that first third overall pick, uh, third mm-hmm. round pick for that matter, if you guys aren't trading up for someone at that point, because you will be able to find someone to plug and play. Yeah, they, 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 what they did is they they didn't do what, you know, the the headline move as much. The Matthew one was probably the biggest headline, and, and, and you and I know what Aaron Colvin is, but I don't know if that move really made any sort of ripple uh, if you were watching NFL Network or ESPN or whatever, but uh, those two moves were just rock solid. Uh, the Matthew one could be really big, but I mean, if you look at what the Texans did in the off season, uh, they had so many holes to fill that were, uh, that were going to be key going into next year, guys that you needed to come in and really needed to contribute immediately. And what Brian Gain has been able to do so far, you know, I, I, I speaking for myself, I'm, I'm ecstatic about what he was able to do because, 
you know, there, there was so much that he had to do this offseason to feel like, oh, you have a chance to win the division. You've got a chance to compete in the AFC. And I think with Deshaun Watson and some of the moves that they've made, they, they certainly do have a chance now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the thing- what I felt about the – oh, I, I was just oh, saying yeah, that. Go ahead. Is the, oh, sorry. Uh, what I feel about the signing, you know, with, with Matthew, it was actually a surprise to me because I had gotten to the point where I felt that game was getting ready to just punt to 2019, that this was it. This is all we're going to do, fix the offensive line and then go to the draft for the rest. And, uh, you know, that came out last Friday. It was, you know, kind of like around, I believe, nine. And then I found out about it. Then, you know, I talked to Rob about it. And, you know, we got on the air as quickly as we could uh, to talk about it. And um, I, I I don't know about Rob. He probably felt the same way. I was just in total shock that we actually got our man. And it wasn't a deal that we were tied up with for a long time, just one year, seven, seven million. If he turns out to be good, then, you know, you work that out, you know, next season. You know, this this guy could be a, a great franchise candidate if it's not Jadavion Clowney, if they don't get his extension done. So, um, yeah, I, I really am looking forward to the potential that this guy can bring to the secondary. And that that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that Matthew thing must have been a nice surprise because it wasn't day, yeah. it wasn't day one. Or I don't even think it was. No. It might have been day two free well, agency. Well, yeah, he was. He, he, he was, was he cut, was and then it was three. immediately like, okay, you now have a premier free agent that just hit the market. Where is he going to go? And there was just rumors mm-hmm. about where he was going to go. Uh, and then he ends up going to Houston, and I was like, well, that seems like a good fit. I was hoping because the Jags somehow managed to just pull Cap out of the air. I was like, maybe they'll yeah. somehow make a run at him, but obviously they didn't. But I've, I, as a fan, if if the Jags hadn't made those moves and all of a sudden, bam, you're getting Honey Badge, like, that's just like a, a huge spark on day two or three of free agency where kind of you're getting those second and third tier free agents uh, kind of getting signed now. I think Robert said it the best way, like that was the ESPN NFL network type move. And I think that was the one thing that despite Colvin being such a really, you know, solid signing, that that's the type of move that I think maybe even Houston fans needed to see. And it truly is going to be a thing where, you know, he comes back and he plays well there and on his one year deal. And suddenly, yeah, you're talking potential franchise tag or you're talking big time extension. And since you guys didn't spend giant amount of money in free agency like this money's rolling over you should have absolutely no problem extending him if he really pans out as well as you guys would hope him to yeah and the other thing is they had to worry about uh, with the money that they've got i mean there's still uh, a good amount of money that the texans have under the cap right now and that money's definitely going to go to a clowny extension I, i i'm sure that's being talked about as we speak they've also got to do an extension for bernardrick mckinney who's been a leader on defense and their best middle linebacker. I mean, not, not the best middle linebacker, one of their best players on defense, period, uh, in his first few years. So th- those two guys are definitely going to get an extension, we feel like, this offseason at, at some point. And that money's got to be, you know, kind of, you got to kind of lock that away a little bit with all the other free agent moves that, that they've made. So, you know, that's why I feel like uh, the Solder thing, they, they could have maybe made that move but it would have been at the risk of possibly losing Clowney and McKinney and and, and the extensions that you get because you don't you don't want those guys to hit free agency next year no. and the Texans for whatever reason they've never I mean Brian have they used the franchise tag at all in the history I don't think so did I think they, they, they were thinking about using on Dante Robinson and I, I have to go back and look but to my knowledge I think that was the only guy that was a candidate for that 
Yeah, that's I mean, it's just been not something that they, they do yeah. for whatever reason. Some people thought they should have done it on Arian Foster uh, when they gave him an extension. But, uh, you know, that 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 move was probably the right move to make because Arian Foster was playing next to nothing for the first couple the first couple of years. And it was, there was a danger of them losing the locker room if you just, you know, play games with Arian Foster, who was really the best player on the team in a lot of ways mm-hmm. at that time. I mean, him, I mean, before J.J. Uh, came around, Arian was the was the number one guy. And when J.J. was here, he was a firm number two guy, the, the second best player on the team for sure. So uh, the fact that they handled it that way, I think it just was, was a better way to handle things as far as that goes. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Texans... Uh, they, they've got them. They've got some extra money available, and I think those you're going to see those extensions happen pretty soon. And I mean, in mm-hmm. hindsight, I feel like I mean, in hindsight, it's 2020. AJ Boye would have been a great franchise tag candidate uh, after this past year, which I'm sh- I think last year or I guess two off seasons ago now, or I guess last off season, uh, there was kind of maybe discussions that they might have tagged him, but since he was an undrafted free agent, uh, making next to nothing, it would have been kind of big risk to give him the growing cap number that is the franchise tag for a cornerback position but uh i mean i'm pretty sure before we tag i mean we didn't even tag anybody this year our last tag was i think josh scoby a kicker so <laughs> shows how much we have had players to that were worth tag. franchise tagging the kicker and drafting a punter in the third round i present to you the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> of, of, of the past of, of, of the past at least thank god yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know you you had <laughs> you had franchised him. Uh, yep. Wow, something. And then for the record, I just I checked it, and yes, uh, we did use the franchise tag once on Dante Robinson ahead of the 2009 season. So that's the only time uh, we've we've used it. But we we still have options. I mean, we have 34 and a half million left. The last time I checked, so that's still money available for for options. But as far as the big ticket signings, we're done with that. But you could still get some minor guys. Well, you said you said thirty four, thirty four point five yeah, million. That, I mean, that's going to be a really good rollover number uh, yeah. for next year. Yeah. So, oh yeah, I don't know what you guys have. I think you guys are probably close to we're, zero. Or we're at nineteen. Or... We're at nineteen. Actually, nineteen. Okay. Okay. So that's uh, some fun fact, and this is something <laughs> that I've been boasting. And the Jaguars had. Well, can you guys take a guess how much money they had before they gave Bortles the extension? What was it like 50? 16 million in cap space before the Blake Bortles extension. They have more money now than they did a month ago. Wow. Wow. Very nice work yeah. there. And 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 the thing that you 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 bring up there is the uh uh, the fact that you guys have got maybe 19 left, and I'm wondering how much of that has to go to draft choices and just guys that you're bringing in in camp. There's all these little miscellaneous expenses. I forget how much uh, you've got to allot or leave for that. I mean, you guys have a first and second rounder where the Texans, you know, likely aren't even going to be paying first and second round picks. So I, I don't know how that works as far as allotment goes, but I'm sure part of it's going to have to go towards unless that. Unless they trade up and get more earlier picks based on their current picks, they're probably going to be roughly paying like five and a half to six for their draft class and then UDFAs are like next to nothing plus the yeah. cap the cap goes against your top 51 salaries anyway so uh 
they'll they'll probably be going into next next season's rollover barring any extensions or options being picked up the one being Dante Fowler which is led to speculation as to why they freed up all this cap room so late as that they might be picking up his option which is like 14 and a half mil please um, no it will uh <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll probably be rolling into next year with i would say probably 13 plus in cap if they don't pick up an option as a rollover which will then go to Yannick Ngakwe uh Miles Jack Jalen Ramsey type players but uh, it'll be interesting but you guys having 30 plus going into next year that's a really nice rollover boost that kind of puts you into mm. I'm not sure I'll have to look at the books for my own personal uh benefit but uh puts you into numbers probably like the Jets and the Browns who have ridiculous amounts who surprisingly didn't spend like hardly any of it this year yeah because teddy bridgewater was a one-year deal you know you're just piecemealing over there and uh with the jets and the browns you know they still got those draft picks you know they they can still load up that way so mm-hmm. it's that, that that's awesome yeah. now both of our teams are in need of a backup quarterback as we've mentioned I want to know your guys' opinion, and even if it's not for our teams, but just in general, on hashtag comeback season, a Texas guy, Johnny Manziel. I would love to have him here. I've I've always been a Johnny Manziel fan. It's a matter of if the Texans feel that he's a right fit for what they're trying to do. Um, I would have no problems having Johnny Manziel be the backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson because he can run this system. Um, I... You know he's had his issues in the past. I, I think he's learned from them by now. I, you know, he's supposed to be married now and supposed to settle down and matured. But yeah, I, I would, I would like to see him here. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it if they signed him. I'm not as much in agreement with him on that. I mean, Manziel to me was looked too small out there when I saw him playing for the Browns. I. I why should I trust the guy? I mean, he's been a great a liar. I mean, I, I, I guess uh, there's there's some evidence with the marriage and other stuff, but uh, you know, it's just real hard to trust him at this point. Right. And and he's and he's he's a real small guy. I don't know if he could take the hits. Now he would fit what the Texans are doing with Deshaun Watson. We yeah. we would love to get them. Uh, we would love for them to get a quarterback that can run what Deshaun does. Uh, somebody like what Manziel could do with more read option stuff. And, and, and with you guys have that with what Blake Bortles does a lot of times. Uh, so it, it would fit there, but you know, I, I just, for me, Manziel is just, uh, it, it doesn't exactly leave me breathless with anticipation. Right. That's my thing with him is that I, no matter what happens or where he ends up, I want to see him a succeed as an NFL quarterback, but B like succeed as a decent human being. And uh, as much as, you know, we read into, I think he said he's what a year clean of any drugs and 90 days sober married now, which is great. And I hope he, that is a true and B he can keep it up at the same time. I don't know if you guys heard the Hawk uh, Tomahawk podcast, the Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins one. Um, but he was on there and he pretty much, they just, told him it was kind of an open mic. He can tell his stories. If he wanted to be open, feel free to. And there was this one, um, I, I forget what they called it, but it was something like the lot, that Las Vegas story. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but oh, pretty we- much uh, where he had the concussion 
And um, he tried to practice through it, but he knew he was about to get caught. So they scheduled him for an appointment the next day and sent him home for practice. So in between that time, he books a flight out to Las Vegas and wears a wig and starts partying out there and got caught by a journalist and slept in the next day. And he was all over the news for being out in Vegas and missing team meetings. So I totally get the (laughs) side of it to where like you want to believe he's cleaned up. But like, how do you trust him at this point? All I know is I just really want to see him succeed and be a clean human if that's at all possible. Our owner is Bob McNair. We're not signing Johnny You're Manziel. You're not signing Johnny Manziel. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and, and ditto with Tom Coughlin. I don't know if he'll want to put up with that kind of stuff either. Yeah, he's no nonsense. He's just playing no nonsense as well. And Johnny Manziel is a lot of nonsense at times. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Hey, let me let me ask you guys uh, if people want to follow what's going on with the Jaguars here in, in, in Texans land. Uh, how can they follow you? What, what are you guys on Twitter? You can find myself at Zach underscore Goodall at Z-A-C-H underscore G-O-O-D-A-L-L. All of my work being put out at Locked On Jaguars and NFL Daily Mock Draft. A lot of fun stuff going on at both sites slash the Locked On Jaguars podcast. As for Chris, I'll let him get you his handle because I know I'll probably spell it wrong. All right. So, yeah, you can find me at Misto Christofo. You know, you won't find any other imposters there. Uh, M-I-S-T-O-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-O. So kind of like Christopher, but, you know, with some weird... Christofo. Christofo. Misto Christofo. So... Uh, if you can't find me, uh, I'm pretty sure my name's in the bio of the Locked On page. So if, if you if Locked On Jaguars is easier, easier to spell, just go to that and you can find me through there. It's LockedOnTexans.com, LockedOnJaguars.com. I'm at HST Podcast, uh, my personal or my Houston Sports Talk one, uh, Houston Sports Talk podcast that I run. Uh, Brian, give out your handle. That's yeah, going to be uh, at BRKP1999. If you want to follow me personally or follow me at houseofhouston.com, uh, lots of uh, interesting content, all Houston sports, and that's at House of Houston. It's at Locked On Texans. Hey, guys, this has been fun. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Look forward to talking as uh, this offseason continues on and we get into what should be a fun 2018 season. Please come sooner than later. Any chance you guys are going to be in uh, Arlington for the draft, Brian? Yeah, I I am I am working on getting up there that first night. I I know somebody that's got a way that I can get in there, so uh, that is a possibility that Friday. So right. yeah, because Locked On Jaguars I, 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 is convoying yeah. out there to uh, to oh, Arlington, oh. so maybe we, we can have can get a, a meet crossover up party. Any, yeah, crossover party. <laughs> so anybody listening to this, come meet us at the draft. I will not be signing autographs. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll take one. I'll take one. Because <laughs> I remember. I was like, I remember when I was talking to Zach Goodall. I got his autograph. <laughs> yeah, I might come up there if Brian chauffeurs me. You going to chauffeur me up there, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> you got you got one of those cool hats. Yeah, we might have yeah. we might we might have room at the Super the Eight best. in Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. we, I would be a little bit more excited if we had a first and second round pick. It, it, to me, it, it's true, just yeah. not. It's it's pretty much of a non-event for the Texans right now. Yeah. The draft, so I don't know. 
Well, thanks so much for doing this, guys. Love it. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the Locked On crossover. And uh, as always, we keep coming at you. We're coming at you daily. Uh, stay tuned for Locked On Texans and Locked On Jaguars every day.